coming hey, in. Hey, this is Alani Martin, track state champion, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big, I feel like Pac. I shoot a shot. I'm coming in hot. Hey, how y'all doing? And welcome back to another awesome edition of Aftermath with Rick and Moose. We are super happy um, to be here today. There's so many things that we're going to talk about today. Um, And we're also going to be joined at some point prayerfully just yeah, i mean if it happens it happens right but at some point we'll be joined by bar stevenson's iron rider for ambush sports and so if that happens then yay right if it doesn't then okay cool it'll still be a good um episode man it's, it's been an incredible week uh we sorry we missed you guys last week but we may have two episodes for you this week in some way shape or form just some way shape or form you might get to this week um but this one will drop early for your listening pleasure uh what we're doing this week is we're talking about all the stuff that went down this past week and we might even touch on i'm not sure but i'm pretty sure it's going to be brought up at some point the introduction of Johnny Menzel to the AAF. So we'll we'll probably hop into that. Um, but before we get there, man, I want to say what's up to my man Moose, man. Moose, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm super good. I'm um, proud to be back talking about uh, some AAF football and prayers answered. I've got Bart calling in. Give me one second. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yo, man, this is good. This Not is- Bart but i am doing great and i will uh i'll refer back to you awesome awesome all right um is bar here i am indeed is that you bart that is me yeah 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 welcome welcome man the aftermath uh thanks for having me on all right cool beans so all right guys so let's hop in uh, we're talking about, we're going to kick off with the whole Apollo beatdown of the Legends this week. And I was there and it was just really bad. Um, it started, the, the Apollos, um, you know, it came off pretty okay. Like starting off the, the drive, but the Legends started off what I would call Legend Hot, right? Like it's always that first drive that they're always ready and scripted and everything's good and looks like it's going to be a competitive game. And then before you knew it, man... It was just a very quiet setting, um, very, very quiet atmosphere um, there. I'll say this. It was quiet in total, but to be honest with you, whenever in the breaks, whenever the camera was kind of rolling around for like dance cam and all that stuff, people were still involved in that. So whatever, you know, they were obviously there for the $6 tickets and the hot dogs. Um, but <laughs> the Legends killed the Apollos, man. Technically, Legends aren't really done yet, but both quarterbacks are hurt. They're underperforming. Right? Are they either hurt or underperforming? Moose, man, like, and and even Bart, tell me, are the legends done? Like, maybe not technically, but are they just in reality done? The um, legends were done before the season even started. Bart, you're starting off hot with the negativity, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, it's nothing negative. It's just facts. I mean, they their coaching staff was in, you know, complete just upheaval. They didn't know who was going to be offensive coordinator, who was going to be head coach. They never got to establish any continuity within the offense, and I think it showed throughout the year. Uh, they come out, like you know, like you said, first drive, they come out showing promise, and then they fall flat for the rest of the game. That's kind of been 
their mantra for the whole season is to start strong and you know finish with a puff. But Atlanta, I believe, was was doomed from from the get go. They have talent on defense. They have talent on offense. They've just not been able to put anything together. Uh, so I think, you know, I think, like I said, they they were done before the season even started. Uh, Aaron Murray was 16 to 22 uh, in the game, and that's sounds great for 135 yards, two interceptions, and a touchdown. Uh, the turnovers have, have been something that have really hurt them all year long, and uh, it was just more the same. Um, the Apollos were able to take advantage of that. They absolutely were. And it was disheartening. I mean, just to watch. So Murray, he has all this energy. Like, even when you watch him behind the podium, he's like this fireball of energy. So you know he's delivering this really great message in the locker room. But I'm, I'm wondering, is that just kind of falling on deaf ears at this point? Because... You know, the play, his play on the field is actually probably not matching the energy he's kind of putting out in those speeches. Um, I don't know. Moose, how do you feel? Uh, I actually will kind of echo a lot of what Bart was saying. I, I do think that, that the Legends team just unfortunately were dealt a, a pretty poor hand. Uh, a lot of the coaching changes. I mean, it, it's hard enough when you lose a coach. Um while the season's about to start, but then to lose multiple coaches during game weeks, um, that's just crazy. Uh, I think Bart really nailed it, and that's the way I can I can see this. Is they, they're able to script the beginning of this game phenomenally. Um, they go down the field. They always look impressive on that first, that first drive. Um, it's typically their longest drive of the game. They look phenomenal. They score points, and then – the rest of it just isn't there. I think a lot of that's that, that team chemistry, team cohesion, and just having an identity. Um, it's easy to have an identity when they tell you for an entire week, you're going to run this play, this play, this play, this play, in this order, and then you practice that over and over and over and over again into where it's second nature, and you're able to operate that thing phenomenally. But the difference between a team like the Orlando Apollos is they're able to do that same thing in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, down a touchdown. They can operate a drive that runs down the field in a, in a couple of seconds. Whereas the legends, they just don't have that cohesion. Don't have that. I don't know if it's necessary. I don't want to say a trust because I do think they trust each other. I just don't think they've been able to find an identity and build off of that uh, and create this, this team chemistry that, that you're able to put together these drives throughout an entire ball game. Um, especially when adversity strikes or when stuff's not going your way, are you able to claw your way out of it and continue to, to move forward? We just really haven't seen that with this team. I do think that they're done for the season. Um, and and I, I, I would say that probably started before the season. All right. So here's my question. And, and I kind of want to get this um, from Bart. I want to hear his opinion on this because most, we talked about it after that, um, Apollo's loss to the hot shots. Some of the writers even in their power rankings probably went commanders first, Apollo second, or some people just kind of, you know, in the rumors kind of went, you know, Apollo second, commanders first, in your opinion, right? Like I, I need to ask Bart, in your opinion, are the Apollos back at the number one spot or have they just never left the number one spot for you? No, they never left. Uh, I mean, they had one game, when they slipped up against a really good hot shots team, 
Uh, the Hot Shots did have, you know, a couple of down weeks where they couldn't seem to find their identity on offense. But the Apollos are still the same team they were two weeks ago, four weeks ago. They're the top team in the AAF right now. Uh, they're miles ahead coaching. Offensively, their production, yeah, I mean, it's it's worlds ahead of everybody except for maybe San Antonio. Uh, but the Apollos, for me, they they never even fell out of first uh, because it it just I take a power ranking as a season whole what they've done up to a point, not just week to week. Um, and one close game that they struggled to finish in, um, just I couldn't I couldn't very well drop them out of first over a last second. Misuse of time. Yeah, and, and I feel you on that one. It seemed like to me, it seemed like the Apollos, um, you know, did just misuse their time at the end of the hot shots game, and they could have pulled that win off too. It, it was would be one of those wins that kind of help define a season. But actually, either way, win or lose, I don't think that game would define the, the season for the Apollos. Um, they came in this game really, really hot. I talked to, well, I asked Spurrier, what are some things that you actually start preparing for for this Legends game? And if, he didn't laugh, but he almost did. You know what I mean? Like, he almost just kind of chuckled for a second and was like, man, you know, we just kind of focus on ourselves, right? We don't even, yeah, we just focus on ourselves. Almost as if they knew they would win this Legends game with no problem. So, I think they're comfortably in first place right now and and at least their minds and um and i guess we won't find out because they don't play the commanders in, at any point this season maybe until the playoffs that's when we'll get that so moose you saw the schedule i know you did do you feel like um they go loss free like they they just went out because they don't have any big you know any major contenders at this point yeah, I think I said it two weeks ago that I thought there was definitely a chance that the Apollos could win out. Yeah, I, I wanted they, I wanted to give you a chance to be right this time. There you go. <laughs> we'll start again. <laughs> um, I do think so. Um, I mean, just looking at the remaining games, uh, they do play the Express, which is definitely not a team that they could overlook. Um, last time they played, it was uh, far closer than anybody thought it would be. Now they're going to Memphis. Um, Memphis coming off of, uh, off a big win. Uh, with 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 silvers, and then they go back home for the the final two games, where they play a struggling fleet team. Excuse me, and then there's the rematch of the Birmingham Iron, which I honestly don't know how that team how that game will go, just simply because the Iron have been two separate two different teams. <laughs> it seems by uh, the last couple of games. Um, I think it'll be a more competitive game than it was last time, but they are traveling this time back to Orlando. I definitely think the Apollos can go uh, undefeated for the rest of the season, but I don't want to really bank on it because I also don't necessarily know how Spurrier is going to approve this, this remaining schedule with having come to the playoff spot. Um, you know, because anything could happen, I think. I could be wrong on this, but I think if they win and Birmingham loses uh, at, at, at any point for the rest of the season, that they've lo- they've locked it up, assuming that you know the Apollos don't drop a couple. Uh, the, the, the home field advantage in the playoffs. So it'd be curious to see if they lock up home field advantage, 
do they get Kevin Anderson some playing time? Do they put Austin Appleby in? Do they sit Charles Johnson? I mean, do we see more Ryan Green and, and less Deonis Johnson? I don't really know. But I think that if, if they continue to play at this level, uh, that, that yes, they could go undefeated for the rest of the season. And, um, hey, I want to say, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to take a quick break. Um, but right after this, we'll hop into um, the Iron and kind of what's going on with them, and especially after their huge upset um, against the Memphis Express. So we'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, we'll be right back. Coming in. This is Andrew Brown with the North Florida Tigers prep program, and you are listening to me on MTMV. Support the podcast whenever you can. Listen as much as you can and share as much as you can. All right, and we're back. Um, hey, we we have Bart Stevenson's Iron Rider for Ambush um in the building today to talk about um one of the biggest upsets of the weekend, in my opinion, right? Um, the Express were able to upset the Iron. Man, I, I don't know what this means for the Iron after a game like that. Um, and I don't know what it means for the Express because you're here, Bart. Let's start off with the Iron. What does this mean for them losing a, a game like that first overtime game? of in AAF history, right? Love to see their rules. That was super cool. But I need to know significance wise, what does this mean for the iron? Fortunately for the iron, Memphis and Atlanta have done such a good job of throwing their seasons away. It it hurts them, but it doesn't ruin their chances for the playoffs. Um Birmingham would have to lose out Memphis uh, or Atlanta either one would have to win out to be able to I get into the playoffs at this point. That's uh, highly unlikely. Uh, Birmingham, you know, they've got to match up against Atlanta this coming week. Uh, so that, that'll that have a big say-so in it. Um, but that game was really a tale of two halves. Um, the first half, Birmingham looked, you know, like a team on a mission. Uh, the second half, the mission they seemed to be on was to give the game to the, to Memphis, and they they successfully done it. Um, I put a lot of that on um, some of the play calling was a bit questionable in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, you've got the ball, an opportunity to run some clock out, um, 24 seconds, a timeout left, and you kneel to take it to overtime. I didn't really understand that uh, decision by Coach Lewis, uh, but he's – a lot more knowledgeable about the game than I am, so maybe he knew something I didn't. Um, but I put a lot, a lot on coaching and uh, just bad execution. Uh, I mean, the line seemed like they were scared to put the block on somebody. Uh, defensively, they couldn't get any penetration, which that's that's kind of been the norm for all season. Uh, and it's really starting to hurt the secondary. Uh, Brandon Silvers, you know, all the credit in the world to him for the game he played. Um, but when you don't have a pass rush and the quarterback's got all day to stand there and take who he wants to throw to, coverage can only hold up so long. Um, so there's a lot of issues for the iron. They're nothing new. They've been there all year long. 
Um, some things have been improved on the passing game. Perez seems to be getting a little more comfortable uh, progressing through his reads. Um, Trent Richardson seems to be getting some semblance of a field vision about him, able to find holes that he seemed to struggle with early in the year finding. Um, uh, overall, though, uh, the loss is surprising. As big of an upset as people want to call it, uh, when you play as bad as the Iron did in the second half of that game, it's to be expected to lose a game. So you actually don't find it um, you don't find it that surprising that they lost that game based on the way they played in the second half. Based on the way they played the second half, I mean my high school team could have probably beat them. Oh, you got that Stevenson's gene, man. That's like, <laughs> so <laughs> you're hilarious. Anyway, <laughs> so here's my question. Um, let me ask this. I need to ask this. Um, what role did Menzel play in that win? Uh, he sold about two hundred more seats. Other than that, not much. He <laughs> totaled sixty-eight yards. He had. I mean, he had 48 yards passing and 20 yards rushing. Sure, he broke off, you know, two 10-yard runs. That's expected of Manziel. He, he, to say he didn't have any part in the win would be taking credit away from him. Uh, He did bring some life to the offense, some excitement. Um, And you could kind of see it resonate through the other players. Um, But... As far as what he personally had to do with the Express winning that game, uh, Manziel wasn't a factor, in my opinion. Other people may I think different, in my opinion, though. Johnny Manziel sold 200-something more seats than the week before, and that was his effect on the game. So here's my question. You saw him, you saw when he came in, kind of how he felt. Reports are that he already has about, you know, 90 to, I don't know, 100% of his offense already under wraps. Like he already understands it. You saw how, you know, how, I guess, you know, emotionally involved he was in the game, even when he was off, right? The Johnny Cam was definitely on. So we could see how he responded to almost every play. Um, so you saw he was emotionally invested in, and, and this this matters to him. My question is, and you saw how Silver's played, right? Even the AAF came out and said Silver's are it's clutch. And they they actually you know kind of made sure that they made sure people saw Silver's role in that moment, especially in that big clutch moment. So my question to you is this: based on what you saw from both quarterbacks, who's the quarterback next week? If Brandon Silver's isn't the quarterback, then Mike Singletary doesn't want to win any more games. Wow. I can't say who will be the quarterback, but if they don't start Brandon Silvers, they don't want to win football games. Wow. Moose, you feel like that too? Oh, 100 million, bazillion, gazillion percent. Mm-hmm. I think, I, as a matter of fact, I tweeted yesterday um, during the game when Silvers came back into the game after looking solid throughout the first half. Um, I, I said something to the effect that uh, would the Express be winning right now had they just stuck with Silvers um, as opposed to having I roughly two or three possessions in a row that, that didn't go any anywhere at all. Um, 
matter of fact, it just didn't look like. And, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to take away from the skill set of Johnny Manziel, but there's nobody that's coming in a week on a week's notice and knows a playbook ninety to a hundred percent. The play, you know, the, the couple plays that he ran, um, the, the the effective down the field throw was just a complete forgot to cover a guy and relatively simple offense, and there wasn't a whole lot of fear. And Birmingham was able to stop the run because they were selling out on the run, figuring that's what they were going to do. Um, I think that Brandon Silvers is definitely the dude. Uh, frankly, I wish he, he's getting more credit. Um, I'm still seeing headlines, strangely enough, that says that Memphis wins in Johnny Manziel's debut. I understand it, <laughs> but, like, but it makes no sense. You know, it makes no no <laughs> sense to me. Um, you know, I, I even said something as well yesterday, kind of about those kind of articles and people, you know, uh, chanting for Manziel and booing Silvers. That that that's the opposite of what the AAF was created for. The AAF was created for guys like Brandon Silvers, the guy that went to a small school that was a phenomenal quarterback, but didn't really get the look that he should have gotten uh, because he came from a small. He was a small school guy, and that's what the AAF is supposed to do: is highlight guys like silvers not highlight guys not not to not highlight a guy like johnny manzel but to me it was a bad look in general um that that we we saw that kind of of reaction and that's what i was afraid of when we talked earlier about what will manzel bring to the af that's what he brings he brings guys that are going to boo this kid who's been here from day one earned his playing time and then won one of the best games of the season on a near perfect performance and yet we're still, you know, people are still booing and, and saying they want, they want Manziel. And to me, that I, I'm not a fan. Um, I agree, you know, everybody was saying that Manziel was going to be the guy who was going to, you know, bring, put butts in the seats, and he, he brought about 158. I, I'm curious to see broadcast numbers, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of there. I don't think he had a, really anything to do with this. I'm super happy and, um, for Silvers. Silvers should 100% unquestionably play Next start next week and should not be taken out next week at all, unless he decides. Right. I don't feel like playing right now. <laughs> wow, uh, I'm not one to come to Johnny Manziel's defense. Um, my feelings for Johnny Manziel, I'll keep to myself. But I was I was impressed by him in the post game conference. Um, he kind of stepped up and said. You know, hey, everybody chanting, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. You know, dude, Brandon's out there busting his hump and giving everything and doing great. And they're chanting for me. And he said he was, you know, he's kind of sick of it. So he, he stood up for his teammates. And uh, that impressed me. It showed some maturity and growth in Johnny Manziel. Um, but as far as his play, and like Josh said, he's been there for a week. There's no possible way, you know, for him to have memorized 90 to 100% of the playbook. I mean, he was out there with the cheat sheet on his arm. And so, but uh, I will give him credit where credit's due. He, uh, he stepped up for his teammate and uh, hopefully quieting the fans that were chanting, we want Johnny and booing Brandon Silvers. Wow. Wow. Y'all got the hot takes today, man. Um, I mean, just very strong opinions about Johnny, but I do do appreciate you 
Um, Bartford just kind of basically saying, hey, look, definitely you got to give him his credit for for stepping up to the podium, saying you got to we got you got to chill out with all the booing for you know for this quarterback who's giving his like heart out there on the field and who came through in a super clutch moment for the team. So I mean, yeah, I give I give Johnny some credit for that. Um, my question is this, right? The the iron going forward. Do you see them? They have a game against the Legends next week, um, and which I think, based on what I saw from the Legends, now if you saw the Legends quarterbacks, they are they are jacked up right now, right? Like I saw Matt Sims' finger, like his joint is jacked, like his joint is, is ridiculous. He um, it kind of split down the middle, and you can kind of like he could have folded it. Like it, it was weird. It, it looked bad. Um, I saw um, what's his name? Uh, golly, uh, da 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 da. da. What's the other quarterback's name? Why am I forgetting his name in the moment? Murray. Yes, Murray. Yeah, Murray's face was jacked up, like as if he were in like a fight, like a prize fight with Tyson, and he just got knocked out. Um, he's he was going through it. And both of those quarterbacks are really, really going under it, and the Birmingham Irons defense is really good. Bart, do you see the Iron having any chance of losing that game next week? I didn't see him having any chance to lose in the game this week, and I was proved wrong. Uh, I mean, it, the AAF has proven that any team can win any week. Uh, there's a lot of parity in this league um, that I don't think, you know, even when they created a league that they expected the best team in the league to be able to lose to one of the worst. Um, but it it's happened, so... Anything's possible. Um, if Birmingham, if their coaching staff doesn't come out as well prepared to coach the second half of football as they are first, um, anything's possible. Uh, but the, the legends have shown a, an inability to do anything past their first drive. So, you know, any given Sunday, as they say. I hate to say it, but it, it, it's true. All right. So, um, you brought up that that they're at that point where any given Sunday, right? And that's always been the mantra for the NFL. Um, so it seems like the AAF is starting to reflect at least a little bit of the NFL. The crazy part is that the NFL is now starting to reflect a little bit of the AAF as they're bringing up the possibility of changing their onside kick rules in favor of a rule similar to the AAF, Right. Um, and so what they're thinking about doing is instead of doing the onside kick, they would just do that fourth and 15 play. They're thinking about only having it in the fourth quarter, right? You can only use it one time per game. But instead of the kick, right, which is more prone um, to injuries or head injuries, which they're trying to avoid, they want to adopt this new fourth and 15 situation from the AAF. My question to you all is what else could be coming soon? Like what other AAF influences do you see um, probably coming down the pike for the NFL? Well, I pray it's not the five-man blitz rule. Um, I'm hoping the AAF will see the uh, see the faults in that and and do away with it after year one. Uh, more than likely, they won't. But the fourth and fifteen idea that the Broncos have proposed to the uh, the competition committee it was approved, I think seven to one. Um, and it's now going before the owners for a vote. Uh, I don't, I don't see why they would turn it down. Uh, the AAF has proven, you know, to be what what it was set up to be—a developmental league. Uh, 
a beta test uh, for a lot of different rules and players. Um, it's been fairly successful with that, so I'm not surprised to see ideas leaking from the AAF to the NFL already. Um, I'm, again, I wouldn't be surprised to see this one even be implemented within the next two years. Um, however, not everything the AAF does should translate to the NFL. It's like everything the NFL does um, shouldn't translate to the AAF. They're different leagues. Um, it's different style of play. Um, they can borrow from one another. You know, Lee, um, as far as rules, um, I hope they can get something worked out. As far as player lease, um, that would be a great, a great chance to develop some younger, lesser-known guys. Um, it would help improve the game. Um, they can also, you know, they also use it to test out different um, safety equipment. Uh, something that doesn't get talked about a lot with the AAF <laughs> is their helmets and uh, the gear they actually use. It's different from the NFL and college and that it has more padding in the helmets um, to try and prevent concussions. Now, they want to take this on-site attempt rule to retain possession um, and use a fourth and 15, you know, they say to eliminate head injuries and all that. Well, that, that's great, but you're also putting your offensive linemen, your running backs, your receivers, and your starting quarterback, uh, you're giving them one more opportunity uh, to be injured as well. So um, you kind of you have to balance it out and decide which, you know, which is the lesser of two evils. Okay. I can see that. Um, here's my question. We were looking at the um, the hot shots coming off of that win last week, beating or upsetting, in some people's opinions, the um, the Apollos. My question is this: Are the hot shots back? Right? They've rattled off two in a row. Um, I don't. I just want to ask. First off, I, I want to say they're back. They kind of feel back, but. Let's ask that question. Are they back, and are they, um, you know, the challengers for the championship? Uh, I mean, yeah, I would say they're back. Um, but, again, it's a week-to-week deal. Um, their offense is dictated by tempo and flow. If they get out of rhythm, uh, generally their drive-ins. Uh, also, their defense while they have probably the fastest linebacking core in the alliance, um, you know, they don't get a lot of pressure generated with their uh, with their front four. Their secondary is is decent for for what it is, um, but offensively, they they have to dictate the tempo of the game. Uh, they have to get in a rhythm and in a flow. And you've seen when Walford is incapable of getting into a rhythm. If they're getting stopped, they're getting shut down. If they're unable to run the ball, um, they, they, they tend to struggle. Um, this week against San Diego, Walford was 15 for 19, which is great completion numbers. Um, he had 212 yards, an interception, and two touchdowns. Um, I think the real story of the game, though, was in the running backs with Jarrell Presley, Kim Cook. Um, Presley... Had 15 attempts for 64 yards. 
Um, he didn't have any touchdowns, and neither did Cook. And he had 11 carries for 53, both of them averaging over four yards a carry. You know, that's all you can ask for out of your backs. So the hot shots, whether they continue, whether they're quote-unquote back, depends on if they're able to get in a rhythm every week and stay back. So that's that's something still to be seen. I hope they are. You know, they're they're one of the most talented teams. They have an opportunity to represent the West in the AAF championship game. Uh, but again, it's all it's all determined by if they're able to establish establish their offense and dictate the flow of the game through it. Yo, Bart, you mentioned the AF championship game, and I, I I noticed that we didn't even think to talk about it, but we have to talk about this like change of location of the championship game, right, Moose? Don't we have to talk about that? Um, I think it's John. <laughs> like we we must, right? Like we can talk about now this week and not last week because last week I was a little upset about it. <laughs> Yo, what was that about? Uh, I, I've, and, and now that I've you know I've had time to think about it, and, you know, as a as a person that, that watches sports and, and wants a, this league to succeed, I think overall the move is a smart move. Um, just at face value of moving it from this stadium in Vegas to the stadium in Texas, I think business wise, it's a smart move. You're going to a smaller stadium. You don't have to worry about, and we've talked about this in the past, of the weird camera angles so that we don't accidentally show the fact that there's not a huge crowd. Um, you know, you can, you'll be able to pan around and do that. Uh, obviously, you're building a connection with with Jerry Jones. Um, so business-wise, I think, at face value, business-wise, I think it's a good idea. Where I think it was a bad idea is timing. I think it was a terrible idea to do it when they did it. Um, if they would have announced that, hey, from here on out, this is where we're going, um, you know, we're going to do the, the one-off big championship game in Vegas for this year because that's what we've done, and now and then, you know, and then make a big announcement that you've made this deal with with NFL, uh, you know, with, with with the top NFL owner Jerry Jones, and, and you know, we already know that he likes the league, you know, he's spotted at the combine with the AAF hat and all this cool stuff going on. I think that would have been a better idea. I think what it really did was at least temporarily, and we'll see for sure when the when the championship game comes around, who's in it and stuff like that. But a lot of people bought tickets to go. Um, I bought it. I, I mean, and that's why I was joking. You know, last week if you had talked to me about it, I would have been a little more upset because <laughs> I bought tickets uh, to get there and cover the game for Ambush Sports. So regardless of who's going, I don't care uh, who makes it. You know, I just wanted to be there for this first year because we've supported this league and we write about the league and we cover the league and. And I think that the league is, is, is good for, for football. I think it's good for sports. Um, and I know that I enjoy the product. So I had booked tickets, booked the hotel and everything to get up there and, and watch this game. And then all of a sudden that flip-flopped 32 days before the game was supposed to play. And I know there was a lot of people that are in the same boat as me. And all I can say is that's, in my opinion, that's not the people I want to upset. Because those are your committed fans. Those are the people that are going to watch your product, not necessarily a team. And you don't really want to, to, to create this kind of divide. So I think as a business standpoint of where it's going to be and how it'll look on TV, I think it was smart. I don't think it was good 
is as good for a company that's trying to say that we care about our fans more than other sports companies, more than other sports organizations by by kind of pulling that 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 out from underneath people. And, and, and now you're upsetting people. And some of the people that have probably been talking very highly about you, at least for that week and or that day, were definitely not on your side and weren't really talking highly about the league that they've been touting most likely all season long. Because, again, if you're buying tickets a month out without even knowing the teams that are going to be there, you just believe in the product and you want to see the product played. Um, so that's kind of my – that's how I look at it. I'm trying to do it as, as unbiasedly as I can. Uh, but I, I do know that people, you know, kind of got, got bit by, by, you know, trying to support this league um, at, at, in that juncture. But, again, I, I do understand it is a business, and I think it's a pretty savvy business move. Man, Muth, I'm proud of you, bro. <laughs> I appreciate it. Because <laughs> I know, <laughs> man, I, I know where you were with that last week, bro. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate um, I appreciate you kind of being professional in that situation. <laughs> Yo, um, man, it, it's a really big deal. You're right to move. To move a um to move it like that and just kind of do it in the way that they did it without really informing everybody who needed to know, right? Um and just kind of people having to hear it, kind of overhear it almost, right? Not getting a direct email from the from the uh, the alliance. It, it's just I don't know. It was just kind of weird how they handled it. Um anyway, so now we know it's moved and it'll be um in Texas. Um, as opposed to in Vegas, and so we'll just kind of you know follow it from there. And if they move it again, I guess we'll um, I don't know, I don't know. Hey, hope you're Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, um, let's let's talk about this for a second. I I really want to hop into it. I want to know about the um NFL hopefuls here, right? Um, we you heard me, Moose. You were you were there listening to our our IG live when um Gilbert was up, and you saw you see how well he's playing. He has an incredible deep ball, bro. Like he throws some beautiful, beautiful passes. And so, just looking at him and the way he handles himself on the field, he's huge too. He kind of he feels like an NFL quarterback. I asked him if he was headed to if he heard any, anything from anybody in the league. You heard him say no, he hasn't heard anything. But we both feel like we don't know, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so my question is, um, even if they don't say it, who's headed to the league like offensively let's just look at it we'll look at defense next week but as you look at the offensive weapons in this league offensively who do you think is possibly going to the league or at least we'll get a call from the league uh, honestly um, I haven't really seen anybody that stands out on offense to the point where I could say that they would definitely be on an NFL roster next year. Uh, Garrett Gilbert, yeah, he could be a backup somewhere. Um, Charles Johnson, yeah, he's he's a little long in the tooth. Uh, he may still have a couple years in him to be a, a number three receiver. You have to take into account the level of talent that's in the NFL versus that is in the AAF. I'm not trying to disparage the AAF or the talent that's in it. Um, there are good players, um, but the caliber of player that's in the NFL, starting even you know contributing players every week, 
compared to starting and contributing players in the AAF, it's it's a world of difference. I mean, I said Garrett Gilbert, Charles Johnston, um, Wes Saxton for the Iron has kind of stood out a lot. Um, but again, it's they could go and be contributing players, practice squad players. I just I haven't seen anybody personally that stands out on offense. Uh, that I say, yeah, he's going to be on the NFL roster next year. Bart, I think we're about to argue, bro, for the first time. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. All right, cool. So I look at a guy like I look at a guy like Rocket Ross, and I see somebody who can at least be a slot receiver for um for an NFL team. I definitely see a guy who can be a slot receiver, or if not a slot, then a fourth um receiver for an NFL team. He's He's definitely fast enough, right? But he's also um, somebody who could be reliable, at least to me. I look at Charles Johnson, I see the same thing, right? I see somebody who, you're right, maybe he's not he's starting X or Y, but he's definitely somebody who I think can go in, um, maybe can go in a slot, right? Or maybe, well, that's for, from my opinion, I think he could be a contributing piece. And if you look at a team like the Carolina Panthers, who you will probably be without their starting quarterback for the for the entire year, right? You look at the guys they bought off the street actually last year to play in their last game against the Saints, right? That that guy like had a phenomenal game. You just look at the contributions they were able to get. You put a you plug a guy like um Gilbert into that system, I think he'll do well with the um with the Carolina Panthers, at least in a, you know, in a backup role while Cam is away. Um or maybe even starting role while Cam's away. I feel like there is some talent here. You look at a guy like Nick Ross, right? Like Nick Rose. Maybe he's somebody who could, I am i don't want to say for sure, but there's some kickers here who can definitely do something. Um, so, my, I don't know. Are, are you just completely off on that? Like none of these guys can do anything? I'm not saying they can't do anything. They, I'm saying this. They've all had their shot, and for one reason or another, they didn't like to cut. Uh, Rashad Ross. Yeah, he's he's a really good receiver uh, in the AAF. He, I mean, he runs a great seam route. Um, I don't think he'll have the same level of production against an AJ Boyer or a Jalen Ramsey, um, even you know Richard Sherman. What's left of him, as he does against the, the corners he's playing in the AAF. Um, yeah. He's a product of the system in my mind. Um, now, I could be wrong. I'm, you know, I, I've been wrong plenty in my life. Uh, but, again, I, I haven't personally seen anybody that stands out to the point where I say, yes, he will be on an NFL roster next year. Um, and, and I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope a lot of these players do get to go to the NFL and, and make the cut. And now that they've shown what they can do in live game action, uh, they have an opportunity, uh, but uh, I just I haven't seen it personally. Nothing or no one has stood out to me to the point where I'm like, okay, yeah, that that guy should be in the NFL. You know, he should be on the field every Sunday. So, <clears throat> so, so to you, there's nothing eye popping about these players so far. No, not yet. Um, I will say this. It, each team, um, minus maybe the legends, has gotten better every week um, on most levels. Um, the iron kind of fallen there too. They they've improved in some areas and seem to have gotten worse in others. 
Uh, but there's just ask me again after the championship game, and I'll I'll, I'll tell you then. How about that? Okay. <laughs> I look I look I look at a guy like um, Greg Ward Jr. Who's actually um, excelling a little bit? Actually, all the wide receivers that we've mentioned so far, right? If we look at, um, if we talk about Ross and, and even Ward and Charles Johnson, I look at some of the holes on even a team like the Saints. Like they're the guy, um, their third wide receiver is Keith Kirkwood, and I like Keith Kirkwood. He's he's a great prospect, but I feel like he could be challenged at least in camp by some of these guys. I really feel like that, um, and so. That's just kind of my stance on it. Moose, you've been quiet, bro. What's up? What do you think? Uh, I was actually just going through a couple a couple of people that, that I think um, – because really, I guess, what it what – it, the way to answer this question would be to understand the intent of what are you talking about when you say make an NFL roster? Do you mean that this is a guy that can come on – and might have to contribute on special teams for a little bit, you know, maybe be that third, you know, fourth wide receiver, second slot kind of a guy. Are we talking, you know, Garrett Gilbert's going to get signed and he's going to be starting week one. Um, Love if, it. If you're yeah. talking about like, like a standalone starter, I agree with, with Bart. I don't see anybody that I just look at that I say that this guy will be starting on a roster sometime next year in, on an NFL team. But I do think that there are a couple players that you could make. And, and, and Bart covered a couple. You covered a couple. But one guy that is starting to really impress me, and I was actually looking up some um, just some measurables on this gentleman, um, but Reese Horn. Yes. Really started to come into his own. He's got two you know, back-to-back 100-yard games. Yeah. He's been phenomenal. And the most impressive part about his catch percentage, he was 7 for 9 uh, last night. He was 8 for 10 the week before. Uh, a lot of those catches are very contested catches. And then I decided I don't want to see. He stands at 6'3", 215. And um, guys that I was just kind of taking a peek at, you know, uh, what kind of a role could he fill, I think he could fill that, that a slot-type role, especially on a team like the Saints. Um, cause he kind of falls into the same mold, you know, just size wise. I'm not comparing the two. You might be able to compare the second guy I'm going to talk about to him. They have a very, uh, relatively similar, if, if he does make a pro team, uh, track, but you know, he stands about the same size as Cooper cup, six, two, two Oh eight. Um, likes to play that slot. He's the, he's a, the guy that, you know, moves chains. He's a chain mover guy. I think. He could definitely run that kind of position. Um, and another guy that honestly wouldn't have made any other NFL roster, in my opinion, had he not just been liked very much by a guy that loves special teams effort, but Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen is a guy that I think if he was on any other team besides a Mike Zimmer team who loves to reward guys that run down the field and make tackles on punt returns, we'd be Adam Thielen in this league right now. Um, you know, but he, he was get the opportunity and I'm not taking, I mean, obviously I'm a big Minnesota Vikings fan. I've been a big Adam Thielen fan since he's been doing special teams. Um, I love the guy's story, but I think you can kind of see a guy like Reese Horn. If you, if you can let him get in there and if he's willing to work his butt off, I think you can start to see him do some special teams work, um, and just continue to push and push. And he might push a guy like Kirkwood or, or, you know, whoever, maybe a Cooper cup goes down again for the year. Um, you know, you can put in another body 
good contested catch, you know, uh, percentage. Like, you know, get open, fights to get open, can move chains. Uh, but honestly, outside of the guys you kind of mentioned, and again, I'm not saying Reese Horn's going to be, you know, uh, an MVP candidate if he does get the call up, but I could definitely see him garnering some interest, both as a special teams player and as a potential, um, you know, backup to a, a Cooper Cup. You know, and, and if, if he goes down midseason, he might be a guy that, that gets that opportunity to come in, much like an Adam Thielen did, you know, when, when, you know, Charles Johnson and Mike Wallace didn't really work out, um, you know, just became the next man up, next man up, next man up. And, and you know, if, if he, he's putting in the work, I could see a guy like Reese Horn uh, finding a home uh, in the NFL. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's that's our basic argument. And I like the way you kind of told the the line right between our two arguments, right? Um, It's basically this, where you're right. We need to define what do you mean by get the call up, right? What do you mean by make it to the NFL? And you're absolutely right. And, and what I meant is very similar to what I believe um, what you're saying is that, yes, I'm thinking about maybe the, the slot receiver, right? The fourth guy, those guys, right? And maybe not so much as you know, the starting receiver opposite of Antonio Brown for the Raiders now. Does that make sense? And so that's kind of where that's kind of where I was going. I think you're right with the guys that you brought up. I feel like this. Every single year, if you play fantasy football, you know this for a fact. Every single year, there's always one guy who nobody knew going into the season, right? And he's now the guy, right? He's, he's now like a, a hot guy, somebody who came out of nowhere. And I definitely, definitely believe that some of these guys – could be that guy in the NFL um, if if ever given the opportunity to. Well, all right. Uh, so my last thing is this, right? So we've we've kind of been on for a minute. Um, I just need to ask you this, and I hope this question doesn't make Moose mad, but I need to know, right? Um, commanders wise, right? Are they the hottest team in the league right now? Like maybe not the best, right? But they're on a four game winning streak. Um, they're number one in the West right now. Um, are they the hottest team, like the hottest team in the league right now? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess they're probably the most talked about team right now because of their four-game winning streak and uh, the fact that they've been able to put together some great balance on offense. They're playing really good defense. Um, Yeah, they're... I would say they're the hottest team, and like you said, not, maybe not the best team, but probably the the team that's making the most moves uh, from where they started the year. Um, you know, they they started they started the year off against San Diego looking really good uh, on defense. Offense struggled. Uh, Logan Woodside he struggled for for a couple weeks actually, and then. Um, Against Birmingham, they didn't try to put everything on his shoulders, and they let the running game kind of come into its own. And I believe the the win over Birmingham is actually where they started coming together and and sort of finding their rhythm and figuring out what they were actually capable of doing as a whole team, um, defensively and offensively. I've been I've been fairly impressed by them. Uh, but yeah, they—I'd say they're probably the hot team uh, right now. So you, they're in your opinion, they are the hottest team right now. 
Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, from from what I'm seeing, I'm seeing the same thing. I think they are the hottest team in the league. Um, you mentioned the fleet, and Moose, I gotta know from you, like, like, what's up with the fleet? Like, they're they're on a two game losing streak. They're going the opposite direction of these commanders. What's up with them right now? Um, well, one, they lost uh, Philip Nelson. I, I think that was was a big thing. They seemed to really click there, and and uh, not to take not you know not to take away anything else at all from the team, but um. He's really seemed to solidify that that offense um, as he started to, to kind of come in, uh, come into his own rather. Uh, and then if 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 I'm not mistaken, I, I'm going to pull it up really quick. But it seems like one thing that they've just kind of gone away from is trying to run the football. Um, and and I don't know if that's necessarily because you know that's how they're coming into the game, but I think it's what defenses are forcing. I think that they're going to force this team to air the ball out. And they're going to stop the run. The games that they've they've won have been, um, you know, they, they they've had either a, a balanced attack or they had big run games. Um, I mean, I'm just looking, you know, speaking of the Commanders, and I knew that there was a, a I think their last, it might have been their last loss, but um, when the Commanders lost big to San Diego, uh, Gardner ran for 122 and Watson had 73 to add to it. Uh, I believe that they actually ran more than they had passing yards. Yeah, they had 202 to 179 in week three. Um, and then all of a sudden, it just seems like the last couple weeks, you're looking at, at really a, a handful of rushing yards. Um, I think this week we were at, uh, they were at just at 100. So just not really a lot there. I think they're having to throw the ball a lot. I don't think that really plays into their strength um, with Berkovici. I don't think he's like, He's not a guy that's going to, if he's throwing the ball 43 times, I, I don't think you're in any winning situation. I think you'd like to see more balance to that offense. I think you'd like to see, um, I believe Berkovich is actually thrown for 300 yards back-to-back weeks, if I'm not mistaken, and has lost back-to-back weeks. Um, so I think that the fleet is, their identity was in their run game and the ability to run. They're really one of the first teams to kind of show out that, hey, we can actually run the football. And they did it pretty well for a couple of weeks, and now it seems they're, they're trying to shoulder that all off of the quarterback, and I think that that's what's affecting this team. Um, I still think that they're a really good team. Uh, I just think that they kind of, you know, just that monkey wrench thrown in, you know, midseason, your offense starts to click, and then, boom, you lost you lost a piece that was that was getting stuff done. Um, that really doesn't doesn't bode well for any team. Um, but I, if the you know everyone's calling it the wild wild west for a reason, you can't really you can't really count the fleet out uh, because you know week one, week one they lose to the Commanders and in, in you know with the with the sack heard around the world, and then you know week three or four they come back and, and demolish the, the the same team um, by you know twenty points or something. So. Again, it's it's an any kind of weak thing. I think if they they're gonna have to figure out something, whether they do like the extended handoff, the, sh- the short passing game to to to, to Watson or, or Gardner or whoever they're gonna try to get moving, they're gonna have to figure out something to uh, take a little bit of pressure off the quarterback and kind of do the best that they can. And again, I know that they seem to be selling out on the run and forcing the pass, but they're gonna have to figure out something if they want to stay competitive in the West. Um, in what's shaping up to be the most exciting division 
in the AF right now. Yeah, at one point, weren't we thinking that Gardner was the best running back in the league? Yeah, I think we actually talked about that. Like, uh, we actually we actually talked about that between Trent Richardson and Gardner, and we kind of said it depends, you know, in their, each in their own right. They're 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 top tier, you know, as far as AAF standards, they're, they're they were top tier running backs. You know, uh, Richardson with the the ability to, to just score anytime inside the inside the, the five room. And Gardner with the ability to to get these chunk plays and, and pile on yards, and uh, I don't know, man, maybe we jinxed it. <laughs> you think is this our first aftermath curse? It, it very well might be. Um, so how <laughs> this will say that that you know Gardner's just he's just not very good anymore, and we'll see if he picks it up next week, then we'll know it was one hundred percent our fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um. Look, it's been an incredible uh, week with the um, AAF. I quickly want to do um, one more thing before we before we leave out. Um, let me see. I I kind of have to get it in. We we always do this. Um, you guys want to do some predictions? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. All right. Cool. So we have um, a few different things coming down the pike next week. First off, we have. I guess to kick off the weekend would be Orlando at Memphis. Um, do I have to ask? But okay, I do want to ask. Who, who do you guys have? Orlando <laughs> by a mile. <laughs> Come on, Bart. You don't. You don't want to um, do the. <laughs> you don't want to go the opposite way in this one. No, all Orlando, right? What you got, um, Moose? Uh, I'm gonna go the same way. I'm gonna go Orlando, and um, I, I take a risk, man. Believe in Manziel. That, well, that's the, that's the problem. <laughs> uh, I actually believe in I believe in Silvers, but um, I think the Apollos are still a little bit upset about the close game last time, and I think they're gonna they're gonna try to be locking up home field advantage as soon as possible, and I think they want to do it. Um, you know, in, in, in impressive fashion. Wow. Okay. Okay. So both of you guys are going the safe route. You're going with, um, with the Apollos. Um, I'm going to follow you all and go the same way. All right. So <laughs> next, let's talk about the fleet at the, uh, Salt Lake Stallions. Who you guys have? Uh, well, that's, that's actually a hard game to pick. Um, it depends on which stallion team shows up. Um, I, you know what? Uh, give me the stallions on that one. I, I've got to go with Salt Lake, their ability to, to play defense. And when Joel Buono, uh, uh, when he's hot, man, he's hot. The fleet, they're decent against the run. Uh, Woodrum, he can, he can throw the ball um, as long as he has – some protection. They have the biggest offensive line in the league. I, I believe they'll get by San Diego. I love it. Moose, where you headed? Um, I think I'm actually going to go to Salt Lake as well. I thought the way that Bart was uh, was, was taking his time, I thought he was going to go fleet. Um, but I, I think I'm going to go to Salt Lake as well. First game was close. Uh, I still think the Stallions are, are one of the better uh, few win teams in the league, and uh, I think they're going to be able to to take care of it at home. All right, guys, I'm going 
I'm going with the Stallions too. I'm a I'm a Carter Schultz fan, and I kind of feel like um, the pressure he provides is going to be a big deal, and like it always is. And so I'm going with the Stallions on that one. Um, next, Legends versus the Iron. Where you headed, Bart? What's up? I think you've already said it. You said just earlier, right? Yeah, give me Birmingham. Uh, I just, I, I don't think Atlanta is capable this, this season of of doing anything past their first drive. Um, I, I mean, they've had sure they've scored on other drives in other games. That wasn't their first one, but uh, the Irons able to to play solid enough defense to, to limit them. They both their quarterbacks are are beat up. Uh, they don't have an identity on offense. So I have got to go with Birmingham. Mm, do you see um Perez having a big day? No. Um actually I I, I won't say he'll have a big day. I say he'll have an average day, which for him is, you know, probably 16 to 18 completions for 180 to 200 yards. Uh, maybe he throws a touchdown, maybe not. The secondary for Atlanta is really good. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Mm. Okay, okay. Where, where are you at, Moose? What do you think? Uh, I'm probably going to go Birmingham. Just I don't necessarily know what's going on with I know. I mean, we might see um, who is it? Peter Pujols, I think, is the third stringer. Yeah. Uh, there's a possibility he plays. I, I have no idea what's going to go on. But again, just with playoff seeding and playoff implications on the horizon, I think Birmingham comes out um, fired up on defense, and I would not be surprised to see more of an early season Birmingham performance. Um, really low scoring high defense and a couple of Trent Richardson touchdowns. Okay, so we're looking at the the legends. Here's what I've seen from them on a week to week basis. I've just seen people have the ability to run the ball on them with without a huge problem, right? People have been able to just kind of gash them up the middle. Every major, every running back that's come into town has like skirted through the middle at least on at least one or two rushing touchdowns. Um, whenever playing against them. And so I feel like you're right with the um, Trent Richardson situation. I think if they get close enough, then I think this is a, a great day for Trent. Um, I still feel like the Legends could possibly present somewhat of a challenge to the Iron coming off of that loss last week. I don't know if they're going to be fully back yet. Um, so allow me to be a little different from y'all right now and go Legends. Um, even though... I know it's nonsensical. Is that cool? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So last <laughs> last game, um, Arizona Hotshots versus the San Antonio Commanders. Who do you guys have? That might be the game of the week, right? Uh, yeah, that's 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 the battle for the West. There, uh, I'll take the Hotshots. Um, you know, I was bragging on the Commanders' defense earlier. Uh, and saying, you know, Arizona's offense is dictated by tempo, and I think they're able to get it together early and uh, get past San Antonio. Okay. What you got? Moose, what you got? Uh, 
I'm, I'm actually going to just, you know, to continue the trend here, I'm also going to go Arizona. I think Arizona has um, actually worked through a little bit of those tempo issues. They definitely seem to be a little more balanced on offense. Um, so that starting with the following game, they kind of carried into this last week. Uh, again, with, with the, the battle for the, the West, I mean, the hot shots came in favor. I think, again, they're, they're wanting to, to prove – what they're doing, I think they're going to be able to uh, have this, this dynamic offense, and I think they're just going to be able to keep out in front of, of the commanders. Uh, I think it'll be high scoring, though. I wouldn't be surprised if this is reminiscent of the Apollos commanders game. It might be uh, whoever has the turnover. Yo, um, I got to follow suit with you guys this time. Um, I definitely think the hot shots win this one, and we we all may be wrong, and that's cool. Um, but I'm definitely going with high shots on this one. Um, I see them winning and take and walking away with this one. I don't see it being a easy win for them at all. I see this being, I see this living up to the hype of the game of the week. I see this like possibly being a second overtime game even, but, um, I think they, I think they walk away just real quick. I have to ask you guys this just before we go. What did y'all think about the first, what did you think about the overtime rules and was it exciting to you? Uh, I'm still kind of undecided on that. I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about the first and first and goal thing. Uh, there, it's it's different. Uh, I won't say I'm a a football snob or a football purist uh, because I, you know, I, I appreciate what the AAF is doing. I just it almost seems like a guinea. Which Birmingham showed it's not. Um, that that actually should have favored them uh, first and goal with Trent Richardson, and uh, and again that goes back to the really questionable coaching calls there. Uh, I'm still scratching my head about why Trent Richardson wasn't getting the ball or Marshawn Coperich. Somebody run the ball. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Like you're absolutely right. I, I don't see why Trent Richardson wasn't featured. And at least, you know, enough in those four plays. Moose, what are you thinking? How would you feel about that overtime? Um, I, I'm kind of the same way. Being the first one, you know, obviously I was a little bit excited just to see the have the opportunity to see what exactly does this look like, this overtime look like. And then I do think that we were a little bit spoiled with the, you know, the Birmingham kind of not, not really doing it well. And then, you know, the, the do or die. But I'm not 100% sure if I'm in love with it because I feel like there's definitely an opportunity. Um, the opportunity for, like, a tie just seems really high because I agree with Bart. I think it's more of a gimme. And I think if you just pound the rock three times with Trent Richardson, he probably gets a, a touchdown. And, you know, if you get the two-point conversion, you got eight points. You know, the best you can do after that is tie. So I, I don't know if – I don't know. I don't know yet. I'm undecided. I would like to see a couple more, um, if possible, just to kind of see what happens if if you just kind of hit that anticlimactic. Like, if, I don't know. And maybe I'm off on, on the on the rules, but I, I think both teams get possession, and it's just a touchdown two point conversion. I think, so, like, if you get touchdown two point conversion off the bat, it's like, I mean, you know, at best you can tie. At worst, you know, you just don't convert and the other team wins. So there's no two-point conversion, right? It's a little anti- it's, 
it's not. It's just a touchdown. I think so. I I think those were the rules. No two point conversions. Oh, which I think which I think kills it. There is a there is a two point conversion uh, that that does apply the same. Um, you know, if the first team drives in and scores uh, and they convert to two point conversion, uh, that brings up you know the sort of anticlimactic point that Josh was talking about. Uh, if you know, all right, the best you can do at that point for the second team is tie. Uh, with only one possession, so that's, that's something that they need to work out. And again, I'm not really sure how I feel about it, just <clears throat> uh, because we didn't get to see. I, I, I feel like they Birmingham kind of robbed us. Uh, you've got the the leading red zone running back, and sort of like the the Patriots and Seahawks. Uh, Super Bowl some years back where you've got Marshawn Lynch in the backfield and, and you pass at the goal line. Uh, people are scratching their heads over that one still, and I'm still trying to figure out why you're not running the ball with Trent Richardson in a first and goal situation. Okay, so you're right. There's no <laughs> there's no extra points. I think, okay, so I think there's no extra points. Um, there's no, no field no goals. Field goals no field so goals, no extra points. But, but there is a two-point two conversion. conversion. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, I guess as long as the first team scores. If the first team doesn't score, then, yeah, there's no need. Right. Point, there's no need. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Which is, what we saw, which is what we saw this last time. There's no need they scored the touchdown. But, I mean, I, I'll say this. I thought the first one was was cool because you, you, you saw the – because it finished the only way, in my opinion, that that overtime can finish and make you exciting is that the first team does not convert and then the second team gets the opportunity. Without that, I, I, I do. I just think that it kind of is, a, is somewhat anticlimactic, um, unless you know the first team gets the touchdown, misses a two point conversion. But I thought the one that we had last night w- was entertaining. I just don't know if that will be the norm, or or if that's more the exception. I kept thinking they would bring in Menzel to run the ball in. I kept thinking that. And I know you guys would have been hot and very upset about that. But I kept thinking they might do that. The game would have ended in the tie. <laughs> <laughs> Chill out, Bart. <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for joining us today, man. It's been an awesome day at Aftermath. Um, hey, guys, do me a favor. Bart, um, can you tell everybody where to reach you, where they can find your tw- um, your tweets, uh, or where they can find you on social media, and then, you know, where they can find your articles? You can find me on Facebook, uh, at Bart Stevenson. Uh, Twitter, at Bart Stevenson1. Uh, you can catch me on Ambush Sports Network. Uh, I generally put out pre- and post-game articles every week. So uh, come find me there. Awesome. And, and Moose, can you tell them uh, where to find the website? What's the website and then where they can find your stuff? Uh, website is just Um If that's just too much for you, you can head over to the Twitter. You can head over to Bart's Twitter. Um, and all his articles are, are, you know, he's retweeting and, and liking. You can follow that. It'll take you to the website. You can go to at Ambush Sports. Uh, every single article we have, regardless of sport, ends up there. We have a Facebook page as well, Ambush Sports, and you can follow me at Bearded Moose, and that's with two zeros, so that's M-0-0-S-E. 
Awesome. And look, if you um if you enjoy the podcast or you love sports podcasts, then you can always find a sports podcast like this one at MTMV Sports. You, all you have to do is you can go to iTunes, go into the Apple Play Store or the Apple Podcast and just look for MTMV Sports and you'll find this podcast. If you're like, you know what, bro, I'm good on all that. I don't need all the sports. All I want is this Aftermath content. Then cool. Go to Spotify and look up Aftermath. That's A-A-F-T-E-R, Math. Right, you can find our show there, and you can find all our awesome content. You can actually go back and walk your way through the season, and then you'll find just everything that we've kind of put out ever since this moment. Actually, you can even find the interview that started this podcast to begin with. Right, you can find the whole thing there um, on Spotify. We are happy to bring you this podcast, and we're super, super geeked that you're here with us. Have an awesome and phenomenal week, and I hope that next week's AAF games are just as phenomenal as last week's. And we'll see kind of about this championship game thing, you know. Don't get too mad. All right, y'all. We out. God bless. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'm going to make a toast because we still alive. No big. I feel like Pac. I shoot a shot. I'm coming in hot.